broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Welcome back to another episode of the Arizona 100 podcast. I'm Adrian McIntyre with phx.fm. I'm joined by Abby Fink, publisher of the Arizona 100. Hi, Abby. How are you? I am well. I am well, Uh, despite it all. (laughs) In spite of it all. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Uh, These are nutty times. You know, if you spend uh, too much time at all on Twitter, you can go a little bit bonkers. Um, And uh, so I try not to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's nice enough now you can be outside a little bit more. It's beautiful in the mornings when I get up and take the dog out. It's one might actually say there's a bit of a chill in the air right now. So I've been kind of enjoying that, trying to stay out a little bit longer in the morning. And it's not horrible out in the middle of the afternoon either. So I think I think fall, y'all, is finally hitting Arizona. It's certainly the absence of a scorch. Correct. I don't know if we've made it quite to a chill yet, but this the absence of a scorch. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. Yeah, I've been getting up early too and uh, going out. So actually, you know, between five and seven, it's really quite nice. And I've been enjoying some time outside um, on the days that I can drag myself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, you know, I, I make a goal every year to walk between 520 and 550 miles a year. And I usually, I mean, I do that. I, I, you know, I make that happen and it comes in a variety of different ways from just generally taking the dog out to, you know, an intentional 5K or something. But given the fact that 5Ks, like many events, aren't happening in real time, I have participated in several virtual 5Ks. So my walking numbers are significantly higher as we enter into the fourth quarter than what they would typically be. So uh, I may have to set myself a higher goal, which, you know, only sets me up for failure. But I mean, if trying to think ahead of the game, if I'm going to hit that goal soon, I might have to set a higher goal for next year. Well, you know, I think a lot of folks are finding ways to exercise more, do things differently. Um, a couple of off off the cuff things before we get into the subject of this issue. But I was just I took my bike in uh, to be serviced. I I hadn't ridden it in quite a while, and I knew it needed some repairs and a couple new components. Situation. It turns out there's a national, maybe even international, shortage in bikes and bike parts and bike helmets and things because so many people over the last seven and a half months. Um, have have taken up cycling. Uh, another thing I heard recently was that um, backyard uh, outfitters, you know, at, all the way from the fertilizer for your grass, all the way to the furniture, like everything that has to do with outdoors, mm-hmm. um, also been in high demand as people have restructured not only their family time, but their hospitality. You know, it's now that the the yard is the, the what the dining room was in before times. Right. Uh, which is really quite interesting. Yeah, we got a notification from our uh, pool company that um, chlorine is in demand. You know, I think I think in part the manufacturers are in some of the um, hurricane devastated locations. And so it's difficult to get, but yeah, as more and more people are doing things and making investments in their, their homes, right. They're, you know, refurbishing, refurnishing, whatever. And they're, they're doing some of these things. I, I see it happen. And I think that's not going to end. I know for myself, I've redone countertops. I'm about to redo some windows and 
you know, I'm not spending money on vacations and concerts and such. So I might as well put it into my house, which can use, it's could use a little bit of an update. So it's always a work in progress. Of course, the thing that has consumed a lot of attention, both here in the state of Arizona and of course, nationally is election season. Uh, We always knew that this would be a tumultuous and, um, you know, energized time. (laughs) Those walks are good for lowering blood pressure, uh, I'm sure, for many folks. And um, we've seen a lot of interesting things happen again, statewide as well as nationally. And you've got a you've got some thoughts in this issue on debate and the purpose of a debate. What what are you thinking? Yeah, so it's um and I'll tell you actually what sparked this for me um in uh, in addition to the obvious the, you know the the presidential debates and we've been seeing I think more than normal we're seeing uh debates or forums on you know at the local and regional levels as well you know our our mayor candidates and council candidates and such are also engaging in this but um, I've been binge watching the Gilmore Girls and uh, there was a whole segment on debate and the, the presentation of your side and both, you know, both sides of an issue had the, you know, handful of minutes to present their case and then argue against the case that the other side was um, taking and, you know, very, very uh, organized and, and respectful and of each other. And, and then just kind of comparing that to, to what we've seen, but more, more so the idea that the, the per the purpose of the debate or a, a debate is to provide someone with two sides of a particular issue and lay out the facts and then allow you to make a good decision based on, you know, the argument that that, um, that's been made. And so it, it got me to be thinking about some of the information that we're hearing um, on either side of an issue or, or from either side of the aisle and, and how much of what we're hearing um, is seeping its way through to actually, you know, help you make decisions. And, and you know, the real decision, of course, is when you cast your vote and whether you're choosing to do that in person on election day or doing it um, early voting and dropping it off or bringing it to a polling location or mailing it, whatever, however you're choosing to to cast your vote. You know, we as the the electorate are really the ones going to decide the outcome of these debates, regardless of, you know, what the, you know, the pundits say and what, you know, the polling or the ranking numbers say at the end of a, a debate cycle, you know, the real decision maker is us, those of us that cast our vote in and in favor of a particular issue or candidate and, and whether those discussions that we're seeing, and we've got a, you know, another one coming up here soon, and we'll probably see a few more as the election cycle comes to an end. It's interesting to know if those actually give you what you need to make decisions, if it causes you to rethink maybe on a particular issue, um, or if you're already decided and it's just pure entertainment to watch them. I think for me, it's a little bit of both. I'm, I'm fairly confident in my decision. I casted my vote today, as a matter of fact, took it to the mail, the post office and dropped it in the box. And, um, but I will still watch and engage because I think it's important to be part of the process and, and listen to what our candidates and our uh, want to be elected officials have to say for the particular issues we're discussing. So to me, debate is, is a healthy 
part of the, the process and and we've proven that there's uh, room for changes in how we do that. But uh, I still think it's a valuable component of our election process. You know, you raise an interesting point as you highlight decision making. And it really does have me wonder to what degree decision making is working the way that we have assumed for many years that it is with our always on entertainment and news media culture with the social feeds that are just one click away with the amount of time that I think everybody spends consuming information and entertainment and spin of various kinds. Uh, I really do wonder, and I don't know about the research on this, whether or not the undecided voter exists much anymore, uh, given that media outlets have positioned themselves throughout the lifespan of their audiences as more partisan than they have in the past. It's almost as if, you know, you've got four years of nonstop stuff coming at you from your side of however you've chosen to do it. And um, here you are, then there's the debates. It's almost more of a reinforcement, I would speculate, uh, than, than something that actually causes you to rethink. It, I believe it would be ideal if there really was a way in which decision-making, which we've talked a lot about on the show, is something that business leaders, community leaders grapple with in tough moments. If, if more of us understood the stakes and were actually willing to reserve judgment on things until we had information, but you know, we, I don't know if that's even possible anymore. Things have well, changed. It, they certainly have changed. And, and, you know, when I was in journalism school, one of the classes I took was a political communications class. And it was, I'll date myself about 30 years ago, 35 years ago, but it was a time when the, the, the election information that you received, the advertising, you know, promotional materials that came in the mail, we didn't quite have the, you know, robo dialing phone call messaging systems in place at that point. Um, but they were, it was just when this more negative advertising was starting to make its way into political advertising. Until that point, it had been very much what a candidate stood for, what their principles were, what I will do, what I will do, what I will do, versus what we're seeing a little bit more of today, which is what they won't be doing. It's more about the other, um, the other candidate. My, I don't know if I disagree with you on the undecided um, voter. I think that there are you know, we, we, I have a lot of trust in the, in the voting process and, and regardless of how you choose to make your decision, this is one of the few decisions you get to make all by yourself, right? It is only you that can fill out that ballot and cast your vote and you can have discussions and we can, you know, we can have debates about particular subject matter, but when it comes right down to it, no one else but you or your your designee can fill out that that ballot for you. And I think what we have is maybe not so much of an undecided voter, but a voter that's willing to um, wait for the last final second to to make that vote to determine if there might be some other piece of information that comes out. I mean, think about as for instance, here in Arizona, the way we vote for our primary. Um, the, the, you know, the candidates are listed on our ballot. Well, by the time we had the primary in Arizona, some of those candidates had already withdrawn from the race. And so in a lot of ways, your vote, you may have felt your vote did not matter. 
and because you might have cast it early enough for a candidate that was no longer going to be running. Here we are today with, you know, what are we, 15 days or so away from election day, the actual day of the election. And we're hearing numbers from, and this is across the country that, you know, that people are coming out um, in droves in the early voting and, and, and casting their vote and um, w- with clearly demonstrating to me that decision is made. There is no changing my mind at this point. Um, but there is something for me, I, I miss going to the polls. I miss that, you know, that day of activity. Uh, it just doesn't make sense in today's current situation, of course, with COVID and such that we don't take advantage of the early voting. But usually the timing of it, it's for whatever reason, you know, I just can't always get there and I don't want to miss that opportunity. But I, you know, I, I believe in the, the, the process and I believe in the, in the power of what that means. I, um, I'm excited for those that are voting for the first time in a presidential election. I, that it, they, that what they will remember it and what that's like to be able to do that and to have a, have a voice And, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't talk about politics the way we talk about it now. It wasn't considered polite conversation. It was a very private conversation. And I'm encouraged by the, uh, the activism and the advocacy that so many people are taking up and, and pushing for that register to vote and cast your vote and, and have your voice. And so, uh, wherever that may take us and however that looks, I think it's it's beneficial, certainly, you know, from a national perspective, but maybe more so here at the local level. When we have that kind of enthusiasm, that means we're looking at our local propositions and the things that are going to impact what's happening here in the state of Arizona, what is happening in your local city and county elections. And yes, on the larger national scale, it's important, but, you know, voting for your local mayor and your city council and your judges and your propositions are really where you have your, you know, your voice be heard that's going to impact directly your community. So get out and vote. Yeah. And that that also points to the fact that the most important decision of all is the decision to vote at all. And, you know, whether it's the, whether debates animate people enough that they decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to do something about this after all, which I think we've seen, or you know, folks who just think, you know what, I realize now having listened to these candidates for city council or mayor or senator or, you know, state legislature, that actually I realize this does matter to me. And to the extent that any of this stuff gets people to participate who might otherwise have sat on the sidelines, uh, then it's all moving in the right direction. Because as you as you so eloquently put it, to vote is the thing at the end of the day. Yep. So, so I think when we get together next, we will be right after the election. I believe that'll be two weeks from now. So uh, we probably won't, won't know winners um, at that point. Um, we will probably have a good idea of where it's headed, but um, we'll, we'll save the discussion for when it's decided and, and, um, and see where that goes. But again, you know, Arizona is a, is a thriving community. It, we know we are an important state from a federal perspective. There's a lot of attention being paid to Arizona and, you know, what, what our votes mean. And so we will, we'll be in play as they say on, on, on election day. So that's always fun to watch. And, you know, if, if you're listening in to us on, you know, in any one of our other 
uh, states that you're all hearing and, and seeing the same kinds of things. It's, you know, where wherever you stand and, and however that looks, it's just important to, to, to do your part. And, 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 and to me, that's how you get the opportunity to talk about it and you get to be proud of it or complain about it or whatever other emotion that's going to be wrapped up in it. But if you had your say, so then that gives you that, that freedom to be able to, you know, to make a statement. So absolutely. We'll see. We'll get together in a couple of weeks and we'll, we'll figure out where we're at and what's next. Yes, we will. Now, this is of course the, the biggest thing on everyone's mind, but there's a lot of things happening throughout the state of Arizona. And you've got a number of stories in this issue that touch on a variety of things from, from sports to education to commerce and so on. What are some of the highlights? What are folks going to read in this issue? Well, one other um, on, on this, on the voting uh, issue, I wanted to uh, call your attention to, there's an organization called Common Sense Media, and they are a nonprofit that really looks at uh, what's happening online and how our young people are interacting with the information that they're seeing online. You talk about the, you know, your Twitter feed and your, the constant 24 seven of the barrage of information coming to us. And so common sense really looks at how all of that is being, um, how it's being impacted and how it's reaching our, our younger generation. So like a lot of organizations, they, they went out recently with a poll to look at, what civic engagement looks like and how it's impacting um, voter registration and voter uh, turnout for the 18 to 29 year olds. Again, these are some individuals that may likely have registered to vote for the first time, maybe voting in their first presidential election, depending on where they fall in, in that category. And what it's finding is that that they are they're skeptical about the process. And again, I think that's because of the information that they're receiving. They're not sure yet if, uh, not not if they will, but how they will participate. So I think that has a lot to do with going to the polls or casting early or whatnot. But they, about 50% say their interest in the process has increased dramatically as a result of all of this information that's out there. So the positive of all of that, of course, is that they're, they're engaging with the, with the information and making some decisions. And so there's a lot of, um, you know, good commentary out there. There's a lot of information, you know, a lot of what we're hearing, of course, is to be smart about the information that you're consuming and that it's coming from a valuable and credible source. But for all of us, I think whether we're, you know, a seasoned voter or we are first to the polls this year is really taking this information and doing your own analysis of it, making sure that it truly is representative of your belief system, that you've gotten some information from a variety of different sources and, um, and that the engagement process is such that you have a say in, in what you're learning and where you're getting it from. So a real interesting poll. Um, there's more information in the story that'll be out um, this week on Thursday in our issue um, with a link to the full survey to, to fully look at the impact of social and that digital information is having on those younger and first time voters. So something to watch. And, and I think that, you know, this is, this is something that will be studied, I think, over time. I think we'll look back each election cycle at, at the information exchange and how it was coming to us as social becomes, you know, so much a part of everybody's daily life and, um, and how to do that responsibly. So it's an, it's an interesting story that 
I think um, I think you'll get some good information when you click on that link and go a little bit further into what uh, Common Sense did with that. So that is the last of the political discussions, I think, for this topic. But a couple other things, you know, we're hearing, of course, that sports are back in a in a modified way. We're seeing, you know, the playoffs for the World Series are happening and we've got, you know, basketball that just wrapped up. So it was just announced recently in the last handful of days that Arizona is going to play host to the NCAA Women's Final Four in 2026. So looking ahead, quite a bit of distance from now, but, um, you know, Arizona has played host to some of these large national um, sporting events. Of course, we were home to the you know, to the Fiesta Bowl and see those national championships on a fairly regular basis. We've had um, the men's Final Four here. We've had all-star games and such. And of course, our Diamondbacks went to the World Series. So we had that experience, uh, you know, so many years ago. But uh, this is the time to mark uh, the first time that, uh, women's basketball, top college women's basketball is coming to Arizona. So watch the, um, you know, there'll be plenty of information on how to purchase tickets and such for that. Um, but it'll be April 3rd is the first round of the semifinals in 2026. Mark your calendars now. That's a, that's a real win. You know, it, for a state that sees, as you rightly said, so much variety of sporting events in, in a typical calendar year, not to mention these special highlight events. Um, that's, that's really exciting. Well, and their huge economic impact on the state, right? The, the, you know, the games themselves draw, you know, thousands and thousands of uh, spectators to come to watch. That means hotels are being booked and, and uh, cars are being rented and restaurants are being dined in. And um, it just has a, a reciprocal or a, a residual effect across the state when we, we play host to some of these types of things. And we know that, it, you know, putting the national spotlight on on our state because those games are broadcast um, around the country that it gives um, a good opportunity for our folks in tourism and hospitality to show off a little bit and show how great the state of Arizona is and that we are a warm and hospitable place and to, you know, come back and visit us on a regular basis. And, and certainly our tourism industry has been a bit challenged this year as many businesses have, but, you know, when you have something like this to look forward to, uh, you can start planning and and how you're going to you know take advantage of that if you are in that service industry and uh, will reap the benefits of of the basketball tournament and others that are you know come the the sideline businesses that occur you know the t-shirt vendors and all those things that come our own way so something to look forward to a stone dropped in the pond creates many ripples right now, there's a lot of other stories in this issue. I see one here on LinkedIn for business. That's an important part of maintaining an online presence. There's some very specific guidelines in there. What, what other topics are going to get covered here? Well, we've got a few new um, businesses that are opening the um, DoorDash. We all are be probably very familiar with the, with the food delivery services. Well, DoorDash is bringing something called Dash Mart to Tucson. 
And it's uh, kind of a convenience store uh, feel where they're going to be having household essentials and local restaurant favorites and delivered right to your house. So kind of a, a, a variation on the DoorDash feel, but a little bit um, more in the uh, household items versus food. Uh, Tucson is one of uh, 12 cities across the country that is um, being tested out with that. So um, kind of nice to see our folks in Southern Arizona having uh, one of the uh, leading companies make a make a home there in Tucson. So we'll watch for that as it, it comes online. You mentioned, of course, LinkedIn as a as a way for all of us to communicate. It's kind of our online business card these days. So uh, lots of good tips in there to get yourself set up for that. We always have a focus, of course, on education. And um, our friends over at Chase Building Team are creating uh, little free libraries. Have you seen those around town? The Oh yeah, my kids love them. Yeah, they're fantastic. So they are partnering with uh, the Tempe Elementary School District here uh, throughout the month of October to build these free libraries at four elementary schools in the Tempe School District. And they're using one of my favorite quotes by Dr. Seuss. The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you will go. One of my favorite quotes, I give that book to all of my friends, kids that graduate high school, all the places you shall go. So um, that's coming online here in October. And of course, as you drive by there, you're free to pick up a book and donate a book um, as you see fit. Uh, it's a great way to um, support reading, which is uh, for me, one of the most important parts of our growing up is our our love of books. Yeah. If folks don't know what the little libraries are, it's a, it's a freestanding little outdoor structure. Some of them are as small as a, a large birdhouse. Others are, are a little bit bigger and uh, there's books inside and you can help yourself to one. And if you have some extras you want to donate, you put them in there, but you don't have to. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of works on the honor system and it's designed to help folks have accessible reading. You don't have to talk to anybody. You're not going inside a building. It's just a little thing you go and find it. Leave a book, take a book, whatever you feel like. Yeah, I um, picked up one of the um, one of the first Nancy Drew books at the little one of the little libraries that was across the street from my office. So, um, in in payment for that, I, I donated five books to that little library because I'm uh, I will never have the full set, but it was exciting to find one I didn't have. So I I wanted to um, acknowledge that and have them have something in return. Uh, Pioneer Title Agency, which is uh, one of the large title agencies across the state of Arizona with their sister business, Yavapai Title, have established um, a program called Leave Things Better Program. And it is their uh, way of giving back to the community. And they're working with the Arizona Community Foundation and are donating uh, $10,000 grants each month uh, to qualifying nonprofit organizations that are um, supporting uh, those that are impacted by COVID-19. And so it is um, a large philanthropic um, program. It's intended to uh, continue throughout 2021. So as it evolves and, and continues to have impact in, on you know, the COVID-19 related activities, food banks, uh, Child Crisis Arizona. Um, there are plans from the internal team at Pioneer to continue to do that work as needed across, um, you know, across our state throughout uh, the remainder of this year and into next year. So a shout out to the team at Pioneer and Yavapai Title for their uh, continued commitment to the community as they do 
work in our and uh, gain business here in the Valley. Uh, well, really throughout the state, they're making that impact um, to the nonprofits that need their help as well. And then a couple new restaurants, of course, coming online. And we've got uh, some stories about the biosphere. And, uh, you know, there's always something new to learn about at the Arizona 100. And we're always excited to feature uh, interesting businesses and organizations across the state. If you are uh, in, have an interest in reading our issue, it comes out twice a month. You can subscribe at the Arizona100.com. Of course, we do this podcast to support each one of those issues and would love to hear from you if there are topics you'd like us to discuss either online or in our um, here in our podcast. If you've got those stories to let us know at editor at the Arizona100.com. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. We've, um, you know, we've been going on this, uh, I don't know, now almost a year with our podcast, a little over a year on our podcast, I believe. And, and um, it's always good to talk and share the good stories that are happen, happening across our state. The Arizona 100 is a free publication. Uh, you'll get it in your inbox. And if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get it on your phone or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. For all of us here at phx.fm, I'm Adrian McIntyre. Abby Fink, thanks for joining us. Thank you, as always. We'll see you next time on the Arizona 100 podcast. Mm-hmm.